Amen. That was, that was, that was precious. Take your Bibles this morning, First Peter chapter number 2. First Peter chapter number 2. We'll continue here with our, our series through the book of First Peter. We called the first through chapter 1, Encouraging Promises in a Discouraging World. But last week, we started really a brand new mini-series in it. And I just called it simply this. The, uh, the whole series of this is, is, is what did I call it? Building your spiritual house, amen. And uh, last week we looked at a message that we entitled simply this, The Building Blocks of a Mature Believer. The Building Blocks of a Mature Believer. Today we're really going to get part two of that message because I didn't get all the way through it. And uh, uh, Sometimes I get so much stuff and I just can't get there. So y'all, y'all are thinking I preached a long time last week, right? You didn't know I had a whole other point, amen. <laughs> we're going to get the whole other point today, and uh, Lord will, and so... So looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. You know, we talked about last week, that we, as we grow up physically after we're born, the same truth applies to our spiritual walk. We must grow up spiritually after we've been born again. And we got a lot of folks in the modern church today, I'm telling you, that they're still, they're still immature Christians. They're still wearing their, their diapers, per se, spiritually. They're still sucking on their, 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 their thumbs, if you want to look at it that way, spiritually. And the reason is because they just haven't put into practice the truths we started last week and we'll review again today. And the new truth we're going to learn today. And so today, with God's help, I want to finish this message on this. The building blocks of a mature believer. The building blocks of a mature believer. If you'd stand, we're going to read all the three verses and we're really only covering one. Amen. And uh, so, uh, the Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. We covered this last week, but... But it said this, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Verse 3 says, if so be, we have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Father, for the next few minutes as we Continue this thought and finish this thought, Lord, on the building blocks of a mature believer, Lord. Help us today to, to grow up spiritually. Help us to learn, Lord, more not only about our output and input as we talked about last week, but Lord, ultimately a foundational truth that we just got to just, just soak into our hearts and souls. It needs to be a very fiber, of, Lord, of, of everything we believe about you. Help us to grab that truth today. Lord, help us to be changed as a result of being under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your standing. You may be seated. Last week we looked at, and just to review quickly so you're with us, and my thing isn't working, brother. You're going to have to push it. But I'll help you. Uh, if you look with us, last week we looked at building block number one, and that, that teaches us that we must grow. That we must grow. And, and we looked in order to be mature. Again, we got to grow up first. And, and if we want lasting change in our lives, it's going to require two things that we talked about last week. We got to change first our, some of our output, and we got to change some of our input. And so the first principle we learned last week is he hits it for me is it was this was the was we got to learn to put off or change our output. 
put off or change our output. And that has the idea as we read in verse number one, he says, laying aside. And has that word laying aside means has the idea of putting off dirty clothes as we take off dirty clothes. And we talked about that. And, and the truth of the matter was simply this how I think and how I speak and what I do uh, is a direct result of my walk with God. And so we just got to understand that truth. And, and you, you, I cannot have a right relationship with anyone else in this world if I don't have a right relationship with God. And I can't have a right relationship with God if I don't have a right relationship with anyone else. And so, so that was some of the foundational truths. And instead of trying to fix everybody else, which we seem to major at, right? Well, I need to remember I need to fix me. Amen. It's me, oh me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I'm the one that has, I am my biggest problem and you're your biggest problem. It's not some other brother and sister in the church. It's not your co-worker. It's not your employee. It's not your, not your spouse. It's, it's no one else. It's not your kids. It is me. It is me. It is me, the man in the mirror. And I got to live with me. I got to see me every day. So I might as well let God work on me. Amen. I am the common denominator in every problem I have. And by the way, you're the common denominator in every problem you have too. And so, so he said lay aside. We learned some of these principles. We learned we're to lay aside a, a, a bunch of words. That, and we learned we're to lay aside malice. As you just keep hitting with me as we go here, brother. First, uh, malice. And that means ill will, evil thoughts towards others. We should not have ill will or bitterness towards anybody in the church house or our house or any other house. Amen. We got to get rid of that. And then, then the second one there was the word guile. And we got to remove the guile there. And that means deceit or deception. And has the idea of, uh, of anything that we do that is deceiving whatsoever. And we talk about this truth. Listen, you always hear honesty is the best policy, right? No, honesty is the only policy for a born-again Christian. And we talk about that has to be a lay aside. And we talk about the stuff we're putting off, hypocrisies, and any type of insincerities need to be put off. And, of course, everybody in the world calls Christians hypocrites, right? I won't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, you go to Walmart, so you might as well go to church with us. Amen. And they're right. There are hypocrites here. I'm one. You're one. We've all been one at some point or another. We, we, we are. If you say you aren't, you're being one right now. Amen. And the fact is we've all been one. But as we grow up, we need to lay that aside and quit being one. And, and, you know, and, and so we, then we went on to look at envies. And that has the idea of jealousy in, in verse number one there. And we, we talked about that. That we're not to be envious or jealous of other people's blessings. Amen. God's sovereign, he can bless whoever he wants to bless, amen? And so rejoice with them that rejoice and, and thank God that when he's blessing somebody else and quit coveting and wanting their blessings. And we so often, as we talk about, uh, go out in this world and, and we, we, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even really like and they don't even really like us. And y'all heard that said, right? And so, uh, and here's the truth, because envying, we talked about this last week, when we envy, here's what happens. It leads to Covington. And when we covet, it leads to discontentment. Just be gracious in what God has given us. And, and so we talk about that truth. True contentment's not getting what you want. It's wanting what you have. Then finally, he said there in that verse, evil speaking. That means backbiting and so forth. And, and he's talking again contextually to God's people. God's people should not be speaking evil about one another. It's a sad fact today. Where the lost world speaks better one another many times than born again believers. And Peter said, lay all that aside. We've got to change our output. But then we got into, uh, the next one was this. We've got to change our input. And it's our putting on. And, and, uh, and it, that's in verse number two. And, and that's where we spent the rest of the message last week. There's only one source. If we're going to grow spiritually, there's only one source of growth. 
And that is the Word of the living God. And we got to be putting the Word of the living God in us. And last week we, we ended with this. We learned what we got to do with the Word of God. And every meal, if we're going to grow, has to be fed uh, from the Word of God. Listen, and I told you, if the only time you open your Bible is on Sunday morning, when the preacher, when I stand up here and say, open your Bibles, you are a malnourished Christian. I say that with love, but you are, amen? If the only time you ate physically was Sunday morning once a week, you would be a malnourished person physically. If the only time you eat spiritually is on Sunday morning when I say open your Bible, you are a malnourished person spiritually. Get in the Word of God. And that's what he's saying. He said, listen, as newborn babes, in verse 2, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. That's how we become mature. And so we, we ended with simply this, a, a quick list. It said, number one, what we ought to do with God's Word, we ought to read it consistently. I gave that challenge. To try to read, this, read your Bible every day. Many of you took it up. Some of you even did it. And thank God for that. And I remind you this, don't tell me or anybody else how much you love Jesus if you don't read the letter he wrote to you. Amen. I won't go through all the illustrations this last week, but if you really love him, you'll read it. Amen. And we, we so often are, are so inconsistent in that area. So let's get consistent what he's trying to teach us. And if you read the Bible consistently, listen, it'll give you a check up from the neck up. Amen. And then we need to go on and then study it passionately, we talked about. Not only read it, but study it. And then, then thirdly, we said this, we need to memorize it effectively. And the Bible still says in Psalm 119, verse 11, the word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then, then most importantly, I believe in the list, is we need to meditate on it reflectively, we talked about. And meditation, that has the idea of regurgitating it, marinating yourself in it, like we do with meat. And you ought to be in God's Word so much that it gets in you. And that's what the idea behind it is. And, and then we need to share it faithfully. <laughs> and listen, you don't have to know and be able to quote and all that stuff, God's Word, word for word all the time to be able to share it. You just share what God's doing in your life. And again, if God's not doing anything in your life, go back to step one. Get back in His Word. Amen. See, if you're in the Word of God, the God of the Word will be in you. And it'll show up and people will know it. And then finally, we've got to live it daily. And we talked about that last week. The parts of the Bible you believe is the parts you will behave. And that is so important and so true. James said, be doers of the Word. And if you live it daily, listen, I won't even have to tell anybody if I live it daily. My wife will know it. Everybody I'm around will know it if I'm living God's Word. And by the way, they'll know it when I'm not. Amen. And you won't have to tell anybody either. We'll know it. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit that's in your life or not in your life will demonstrate that. And so building block one last week was that. Building that we must grow up. In order to be mature, we must change our output. We must change our input. Because if our input's right, our output will be right. And we must grow. Today, second principle of this. Building block number two. Not only must we grow, but we must no, we must know. What do I mean by that? What does mean no? Look with me, verse number three. Peter goes on and writes this. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now what does all that mean? Well, if so be simply means this. If indeed, or since you have, because you have, because you have, have tasted the gospel. Tasted simply means you've eaten of 
experienced of taking this nourishment. If you have tasted, if you have uh, tasted of God's word, if you, you've been, once you've been born again by the grace of God, back in verse 23 of the last chapter, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Once you're saved by the grace of God, then you start growing up by putting off attitudes and actions from verse number one, that whole list there we, we, we covered. And then you start putting in, after you start putting off that, putting in a steady diet of God's word, then you're going to grow then you're going to taste and you're going to experience and you're going to know a foundational fact. This is the whole message today. And that foundational fact is simply this, that God is gracious. Amen. What does gracious mean? Now, we usually use that word gracious. And the word we think of automatically, and I usually think of automatically because most of the time that's what it means, is, is really God's grace. And thank God He is grace. Amen. But in the context here, the word used means virtuous. It means simply this. Let's put it in common English. Amen. It means good. Here's what he's saying. If you so taste, the Lord is good. Can I tell you, as he puts that little thing, we must know. What was we know? That God is good. That's your whole message today. Amen. God is good. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe it with every fiber? I'm going to test you here in a minute. Y'all know that, right? That's a trick question when I get you to raise your hand. Now, how many believe with every fiber of your being? you got to know this fact. The God is good. Write it on, listen, write that simple statement on your Bible, on your bulletin, or, or most importantly, write it in your heart. But get it down in the depths of your soul. God is good. Now, I know we got the sayings. I know we got the cliches. And there's nothing wrong with the sayings. Don't get me wrong. But we can say, I could say right now, God is good all the time, all the time. God is, what would you say? Good. Y'all know it, right? That's knowing it here. That's not what I'm talking about. That saying certainly true, and that's for sure. But listen, what I'm talking about is knowing it, the King James knowing it, intimately knowing it, a core truth, and not just the saying, but getting it down in our soul and our heart that no matter what happens in life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what comes in or goes out, no matter what event happens, God is good. We've got to understand that. we foundationally, fundamentally got to believe it and remember it. Nothing happens in your life that will ever change that truth. It is, listen, you're never going to grow, and uh, you're never going to grow up materially or in the maturity until you get that truth. The Psalm 34 verse 8 said this: "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him." And Peter says here, quoting that verse: "If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." All throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about the goodness of God. You know Moses, when he went up and got the Ten Commandments there, he saw the goodness of God. Oh, wow. Listen to Exodus 34, verse 16. The Bible says, and The Lord passed by him, or before him, and proclaimed, The Lord thy God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and in truth. Did y'all know that God promised that all things work for good? For those who love him or call according to his purpose. Romans 8 and 28 is still in there. And we know that all things work to good to them that, that, that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And you know, God even can take the good or the evil and the bad things that happen from others or from the devil or wherever the source is. Usually it's from our own doing, right? Amen. And he can turn them still into good. He's just that good. 
Genesis, 5, uh, Genesis 55, verse 20, the Bible says, But as for you, you fight evil against me, David said. But, or, but God, or Jacob said, But God meant it unto good to bring to pass this, this day to save much people alive. God gave us good gifts. I think of James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift, the Bible says, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or no shadow of turning. God is the good shepherd, the Bible says in, in John 10, verse 11. He said, I, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In fact, it is the very goodness of God is the reason you repent, led you to repentance to get saved. Y'all realize that? The Bible makes that abundantly clear. It says in Romans 2, 4, it says, it, or despise, don't despise the riches of his goodness or forbearance or long-suffering. You need to know this fact, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Hey, it's the goodness of God that works in your life and tells you and shows you that you're lost and you're undone without Jesus and that if you die in that state, you will spend eternity separated from a holy God in a place the Bible calls hell. But God shows you that. He gives you the opportunity. He says, change your mind. To repent, turn to me, put your trust in my son's death, burial, and resurrection, and call upon my name. I'll save your soul. I'll give you the promise of an eternity in heaven. It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And you say, well, preacher, if God is so good, if that's all you're saying today, how come bad things happen to good people? Isn't that a common question? I'm telling you, my heart's hurting. If you're on our prayer team, get the list. Did you see all that? That's just the ones I could send from the road yesterday. I was on the road. <laughs> that doesn't even take into account folks that lost loved ones in our church family last week, the week before. And another, I mean, I mean, there's stuff going on. The Lord. And we could look at all those circumstances and we could ask that very question. How does anything, if God is so good, how come bad things happen to good people? If you're a Christian, you're going to get hit with that question all your life, aren't you? Can I give you the answer? Never has but once. Huh? There's only been one bad thing that's ever happened to one good person. Because there's only been one good person. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's been one, as Jesus Christ is his name. He came to this earth, and, he, and by the way, he willingly took that beating, willingly laid his life down because he loved you and me that much. Listen, there is no other good. See, we had, let's see our perspective, how bad that is? Compared to a holy and a just God, my Bible says we all come short of the glory of God. Hey, bad things don't happen to good people unless you're, unless you're counting going back to the cross because that's the only good one that's ever lived. Amen? All of us fall short. There's your answer. <laughs> I'll give you that for free. The only good that's in you and me, friends, is Jesus Christ in us. God is good. Get this in your head, in your hearts, in your soul, in every fiber of what you're... I mean, it's a fundamental building block if you want to become a mature believer. Now, let me tell you why that is. Okay. Most of you probably don't struggle with that. Many raised your hand even before I started. God's good. You believe that, right? And, and you understand that. Uh, but, but listen, why, how, what does that got to do with me becoming mature? Because that's what we're talking about this morning. How, how does his goodness have anything? Listen, I, I want you to get this and understand why. Here's the correlation. I'm glad you asked so I can tell you. Uh, the answer is this. 
Because when we believe in our hearts, in our very fiber of our souls, that God is good in all His ways, at all times, then guess what the goodness of God will lead us to? A place of humility. If you really understand how good God is, it will humble you. And it will humble me. And listen, when we get humbled by the grace of God and the goodness of God, then there's a characteristic that will leave our life because it's the opposite of humility. And it's a thing that God even says He hates. Guess what that word is, y'all with me? It's a five-letter word. Opposite of humility is pride. See, when we grab that God is good no matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter, no matter what, ha- what He does, then, then I cannot be humbled by that fact. And when I'm, hum- when I'm in, in humility and humbled, then I'm no longer prideful. And if I'm no longer prideful, keep up with me here, then guess what leaves my life? Contention. Get all your Bible together here. Only by pride cometh what? So if contention leaves my life, that means backbiting leaves my life. That means, listen, all these things that make us so immature, fuss and fight and critical spirits, division, backbitings, or in Peter's words, verse number one, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and evil speakings. Listen, all that goes away because when all of those have one common denominator, it's the I in the middle of pride. When I get humble, pride goes away. And guess what? When pride goes away, I grow up spiritually. Are you with me? If you're with me, say I am. You've got to get this formula here. Listen to some verses here, and I'll give you the formula here in a minute. Because humility is the opposite of pride. Proverbs 13.10, I already quoted it, but only by pride comes contention. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil and pride and arrogancy in the evil way. And the froward mouth, he said, do I hate. Proverbs 6 and verse 16, he said, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination in him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift in running to mischief. Proverbs 29 verse 23 said this, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And when we're full of pride, there's one fundamental reason. It's either because we've forgotten how good God is or we've never learned it in the first place. Either way, here's what I'm just trying to tell you today. God is good. And you've got to get that in the very fiber of your soul. You say, why would I believe that? Because here's why. Because when we forget how good God is, we forget everything He's done for us. And we think we deserve more. I should be treated better. I should be talked to better. I should have this position. I should do this. That's me, 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 me. There's one thing in common. Everyone that's pride. Right? Are you with me? If you're with me, say I am. I got to make sure you're with me because I can go on. Amen. This is so, so critical. We forget how gracious and good God has been to us. Because we start looking at everything we don't have instead of everything he's done for us. See the difference? You know, most of the world lives off less than one dollar. One dollar a week. And then we whine and complain about everything we don't have. I was listening to one preacher. I like this word. I'm going to steal it from him. I thought it was pretty good. He said, we, we have first world pains. 
He said, what's first world pain? Not third world, first world pain. We certainly have those in America. First world pain. My iPhone. There's a new one out. I don't have it yet. My battery don't last as long as it should. Oh, my battery's dead. What am I going to do? My internet. This is our pain at home. My internet's too slow. Amen. I went to my favorite restaurant and, and you know, they didn't have my favorite dish. First world pains. Think of all this. How, how we, this, this becomes the end of the world for us. My car is not fancy enough. My house isn't big enough. I, I got too many bills. How about thank God I got a house. Thank God I got something to drive. And thank God I got something to have bills for. You understand the difference? And listen, we, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Most of the world living off $1 and here we are. Because we forgot how good God's been to us. That's the principle I, I need you to get. How good he's been in our life. If we would stop and we'd think about how good God is and, and we'd maybe write them down or maybe call them out unto him and thank him for them instead of whining and protesting, we'd start whooping and praising. I'll go bark in's term. Amen. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> See, understanding the goodness of God will bring humility into our lives. And when humility comes, pride leaves. And when pride leaves, so does contention. Fussing, fighting, critical spirits, division, backbiting, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speaking. And when pride's gone, humility's present. Friends, that's when he lifts us up. And that's when we grow up. Are you with me? Amen. Get the formula. I'm going to put it up here for you. He's already got it. There you go. Knowing the goodness of God. If you like math, i, I, I got to see stuff. Knowing the goodness of God equals then humility in our life. Because that's where the goodness of God will take us. Which will remove or subtract out pride. Which will result or add in spiritual maturity. You got the, you got the formula? The building blocks of becoming a mature believer. First, we got our output. Hey, we got we to gotta put off that stuff, lay aside. Then we got our input. We got to get into the Word of God. And then, and then, and then today we're talking about not only what we must know or must grow, how we must grow, but now what we must know if we're going to ultimately become mature. And the Bible says that we need to learn to be content, rejoice in the goodness of God. Listen to Deuteronomy 26, verse 11. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee. How many of you got something you could rejoice in right now? If I put you on the spot right now, I'd say, hey, let's, let's pass a microphone in this place and let's rejoice about what God's done in our life. I mean, listen, if we got real honest, every one of us could go. And every one of us probably, if we really get to thinking about it, could go on for days. You think I preach long. Y'all would preach much longer. Amen. <laughs> now, this leads us to our last fundamental truth here. Now, I told you this pretty simple message today. God's good. Amen. <laughs> but here's the, here's the last part of that truth I want you to get. Now, I understand what we're saying. I, I, I'm going to try to say this carefully. We say things like this in our testimony time or when we're praising the Lord or in Facebook posts and things like that. I, and I get it. I'm not, I'm not downing you for saying it. Please understand. Yeah, we do need to praise God for these things. But I'll give you one. Brother Pete, I'm going to pick on Brother Pete for a moment. He got a great report this week. You don't even know what I'm talking about him because you can't hear me. Amen. <laughs> he got a great report this week. His numbers, whatever they are, blah, 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 PSA, whatever cancer numbers are, they're good. Amen. Now we would bring a praise report like that in, and, and we we would we, we should and we should lift up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the good report. Thank you, God, that he's cancer free. Amen. We should praise God for that. And we should. I, I understand that. D just bear with me for just a moment, okay? 
And, and so we would say something like this. I'm cancer-free, God is good, right? Or, or, or if my, I'm having a little more month than I have money, right? And all of a sudden you find this, you get in, somebody blesses you, you, you get a rebate from something, who knows, something comes and how God meets needs is unbelievable sometimes. And, and then we'd say, man, I got, I, got a, I got this random check in the mail, wasn't expected, and I had a bill, and God is good, right? Isn't that what we say? Or, 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 you know, I got a new car, a new job. God is good. And, you know, we, we just go through life and we talk about all these things. I got a house to live in. God is good. I got a, I got a freezer full of food. God is good. Hey, the church is growing. God is good. The, the economy is turning good. And whether you're a Republican or Democrat, can't argue that. Amen. It's, and you say, God is good. Hey, I got a little money in the bank. God is good. I'm with you. We're praying for a miracle right now. Brother J.D.'s not in here, but Michael Moles is going to take a miracle. Amen. Doctors are kind of giving up hope. And I tell you what, God does a miracle, we're going to praise Him. God's good, amen. But listen to me for just a moment. Understand where I'm coming from. Even if Brother Pete had went in there and they told him, actually, you're eating up with cancer. You're going to die in two days. God is still good. Even if my house burns down right now while I'm preaching, if I die and have a heart attack right now, don't even finish this message, God is still good. Listen, listen, even if my, my freezer quits and we lose every piece of meat we got in our freezer, God is still good. If, if you lose your job and the, the, the bank goes south and you lose every bit of money you have, your 401k doesn't exist anymore, I got no retirement, I'm telling you, God is still good. See, that's the fundamental truth. We think God's good because he does stuff. Listen, here's the truth, the second part of this truth you got to get. God's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. Put that one up there. They can write that one. There you go. God's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. God is good all the time. And he'll never cease to be good because he'll never cease to be God. It's not good because he gives me stuff. He gives me stuff because he's good. Amen. And we realize the goodness and the graciousness of God It'll lead us to humility, and humility comes, pride leaves, and pride leaves, spiritual maturity comes, and contention goes away. Some of you right now have got some things going on in your life. I'm telling you what, they're dragging you down. It might even be making you question sometimes the goodness of God. You know, sometimes it don't feel like God's good. Let me, let me just give you a myth buster right now. It's okay to question God. I know everybody does it's a sin to question God. That's a bunch of hogwash. My Savior never sinned. And he's hanging there on, the, on that tree and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If Jesus, God manifests in the flesh, God the Son can question, he can handle wire, don't you think? Amen. That's some of the most ridiculous stuff I've heard in my life. It's okay to question. 
Listen, we get those times. But here's why we get in those times. Because we're going off our feelings and our emotions. And, and, and what, we, what we're forgetting is the foundational belief and the foundational truth, the foundational fact that no matter what happens in my life, no matter whether good, bad, or indifferent, and anything in between, that God is always still good. Because it's who He is. And when we get that down, listen, we, we won't be blown away by everything that happens. We won't be, every trial that comes in our life isn't going to send us to the next zip code like we got picked up in a tornado or something. Listen, we're, we're going to be stable because we're building it not on feelings and emotions, but on the very fact of the nature of God that nothing could ever change that foundational fact that He's good. And I can, be, I can go through those trials because no matter what happens, I know God's good and He's mine and I'm His. And that settles it, amen? Because he's not good because of what he does. He's good because of who he is. And when we know that truth in the core of our soul, we can face anything this world has to offer. And my friends, that is a building block that you've got to get in your life if you're ever going to be a mature believer. It's unmovable. It's like that rock that's standing. Can I give you a Bible illustration real quick and we'll close? How many of you remember a gentleman in the Bible by the name of Job? 43, 43 chapters, I think it is, something like that, on Job in the Word of God. Let me tell you what God said about Job. Not what I said. Not what some other penman said. Tell what God said in His inspired Word. He basically said Job was the richest, wisest, most spiritual man on earth. Pretty good saying, right? Listen, Holy Spirit says you're wise. You're pretty wise, amen. I say you're wise, that don't mean a whole lot. But if God says you are, that's everything. If the Holy Spirit says you're spiritual, guess what? Then you're probably pretty spiritual. If the Holy Spirit says you're rich, then, then I, you got some moolah. I mean, I'm just going to tell you. If the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills says you got some money, you probably got some money. And God, God brought this up, by the way, to, to Satan. He said, have you ever considered my servant Job? Remember how he said it in chapter 1, verse 8, he said, There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. That's God's words about Job. That's pretty powerful. Then, then you go through Job's life, and one day he loses ten kids just in one accident. I remember right, seven sons and three daughters, something like that he had. Then all his money, he loses all his money. Uh, he, gets, he gets sick and bulls and all that from his head down to his toes. And, and then, then on top of that, his friends show up. <laughs> You've read about it. Y'all don't remember about his friends, right? Good friends they were. What was it? Five, six, seven days they sat around a campfire. His friends didn't even say a word or something. Then they did speak. And, and when they did speak, they, 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 all they did was, it's your fault, Job. And they, they accused him. They judged him. They, 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 did, they criticized him. And I guess he probably was wanting to go back to those five or six or seven days before that. Amen. Even his wife comes along and says, why don't you curse God and die? But through it all, listen, through it all, after losing, I wrote this down because this is in my outline when I preached that one time. I don't think I ever preached that here. He lost his friends, his family, his flesh, and his finances. But Job never lost his faith. They said, what do you think about your big bad God now? That you trust him. Now that you lost everything, 
Is God still good? Can you remember what he said? He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You wonder why he could do that? Because he got that principle. No matter what happened, God's still good. And he was a spiritually mature believer. Not only had he put off, he was good, upright, and unperfect like him. Not only had he put in, obviously he knew the God of the Word. In the word of God. Not only did he had grown, but he knew this one foundational fact. Then you get to the end of the book. And he proved his character once again. Remember the end of the book? The Bible says this, that God turned the captivity of Job, I think is the word, when he forgave his friends. The ones that Blamed him for everything, criticized him, called him out. Job, Job didn't harbor a grudge. He didn't have bitterness in his heart, and guile and malice and all that thing that Peter tells in verse number one. He forgave him. Once again, proving how spiritually mature he was. He forgave the ones that hurt him, that lied on him. And guess what happened at the end? Y'all know the end of the story, right? Was it Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. He got back everything twice over. He didn't get bitter. He didn't lose faith. He just understood that even when his circumstances weren't good, he served the God he still was. And he kept his eyes on that God instead of the stuff going on in his world. And Peter puts it this way. Verse 3. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Listen to me. No matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what's going to happen the rest of today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, get this foundational truth in your soul. It'll help you. God is still good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is not just quoting the same, but believing the same in my heart. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. Father, may we leave here with that foundational truth. That no matter what, all the time, in every circumstance, when they go the way we want them to go and when they don't go the way we want them to go, Lord, when death comes in and Lord, even when life is given again. Lord, when folks are healed and raised back up and when you choose not to. Lord, when we have finances and, and family and friends and Lord, even if they all walk away, none of it changes the fact that you're good. And God, if we have that foundational truth in our heart and our soul, Lord, then we too to live a life of humility, which will remove pride. And we too can take that next step and apply that building block to our lives of how to be a mature believer. Father, have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room.
let me ask you this question. If you're here today and you're going through something and you don't need to share what, that's not the point. But you're going through something that's maybe a little little bigger than what you can handle. And 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 you just be honest. You were brought to a point or two where you start to question, is God really good? Is there somebody like that today? No one's looking around, hands. You got hands all over the room. Is God really good? Well, God sent me to tell you that he is. And that no matter what, how the circumstances did turn out, are turning out, or will turn out, that nothing will ever change that fact. God is still good. Get that in your heart and soul today. The reason some of you don't know who, how good he is is because you've never changed your output or your input yet. Listen, you've got to taste, Peter said, to see that the Lord is good. If you're not in God's word, you're never going to understand how good he is to you. If you're not putting off those things, then you're living in the flesh and you're never going to understand the goodness that comes to a life living with the, in the fruit of the Spirit of goodness. Those things won't be in your life. We go back to step one, building block one. Time to grow. Change your output and your input. And when you do, you're going to know. And the one foundational truth you need to know is that no matter what, God is good. Not because of what he does, because that is who he is. I just got a second question. Maybe you're here today. And you don't know the goodness of God because you've never experienced where he pulled you and he drew you unto himself through repentance. Today, my Savior is saying, today's the day. Today's the day for you to turn and put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. See, it's the goodness of God that draws man into repentance. If, if he's pulling on your heartstring right now and you understand a couple simple facts. Number one, you understand you're a sinner. And your sin separates you from a holy God. And you're willing to turn and change your mind and agree with God against yourself that you're a sinner. Put your faith and trust in solely in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Then right now, He wants to save your soul. Right now, you can experience the goodness of God yourself through the means of salvation. Put your trust in Him. This altar is going to be open. I sure love to take this Bible and show you how you can know today that heaven's your home. I'll be right down here. You need Jesus, you come. You got a situation you need to pray over. Or maybe you just want to come praise God today and tell him, listen, I forgot how good you were. Thank you for reminding me. Whatever your need, this altar's open. As Brother Ken sings this morning.
Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. God, I thank you for the word that we've just heard today, Lord, and let us be reminded of it, Lord, and how good you are to us, Father. Without you, we are nothing, Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord, that we have you. Lord, I just ask you to give us journey mercy home, bring us back tonight to our 630 service, those that will be traveling after the service, Father. Uh, and to get back to the service tonight, I ask you, Lord, to put your guardian angels around the vehicle, the vehicles today, Lord, and protect them. And then, Father, bless Brother uh, Mike Jeffries tonight as he'll be preaching. Lord, I ask you to bring him back to memory what he has studied. And we give you the praise and the glory, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs> 